welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all God's children and all God's creation. And no matter the darkness and chaos, the violence and destruction during these times, always remember, whether it be the holidays or any other day, that there's still love, joy, and happiness to be found in our lives and on this earth. When we look to ourselves first and be and radiate the love and light of our own mighty I Am Presence. And when we share that transforming, illumining, and divine power of the love and light within us, it makes a tremendous difference, not only in our individual lives, but as a blessing for all God's children and all God's creation. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light, and y'all be loved. The solar orb, like the nature of man, was divided by the ancient sages into three separate bodies. According to the mystics, there are three suns in each solar system, analogous to the three centers of life in each individual constitution. These are called three lights, the spiritual sun, the intellectual or solar sun, and the material sun, now symbolized in Freemasonry by three candles. The spiritual sun manifests the power of God the Father, the solar sun radiates the life of God the Son, and the material sun is the vehicle of manifestation for God the Holy Spirit. Man's nature was divided by the mystics into three distinct parts, spirit, soul, and body. His physical body was unfolded and vitalized by the material sun, his spiritual nature was illuminated by the spiritual sun, and his intellectual nature was redeemed by the true light of grace the solar sun. The alignment of these three globes in the heavens was one explanation offered for the peculiar fact that the orbits of the planets are not circular but elliptical. The pagan priests always considered the solar system as a grand man and drew their analogy of these three centers of activity from the three main centers of life in the human body, the brain, the heart, and the generative system. The transfiguration of Jesus describes three tabernacles, the largest being in the center, the heart, and a smaller one on either side the brain and the generative system. It is possible that the philosophical hypothesis of the existence of the three suns is based upon a peculiar natural phenomenon which has occurred many times in history. In the 51st year after Christ, three suns were seen at once in the sky and also in the 66th year. In the 69th year, two suns were seen together. According to William Lilly, between the years 1156 and 1648 20 similar occurrences were recorded. Recognizing the sun as the supreme benefactor of the material world, Hermetists believed that there was a spiritual sun which ministered to the needs of the invisible and divine part of nature human and universal. Anent this subject, the great Paracelsus wrote, There is an earthly sun, which is the cause of all heat, and all who are able to see may see the sun, and those who are blind and cannot see him may feel his heat. There is an eternal sun, 
which is the source of all wisdom, and those whose spiritual senses have awakened to life will see that sun and be conscious of his existence, but those who have not attained spiritual consciousness may yet feel his power by an inner faculty which is called intuition. Certain Rosicrucian scholars have given special appellations to these three phases of the sun, the spiritual sun they called Vulcan, the solar and intellectual sun, Christ and Lucifer respectively, and the material sun, the Jewish Demiurgus Jehovah. Lucifer here represents the intellectual mind without the illumination of the spiritual mind, therefore, it is the false light. The false light is finally overcome and redeemed by the true light of the soul, called the second logos or Christ. The secret processes by which the Luciferian intellect is transmuted into the Christly intellect constitute one of the great secrets of alchemy and are symbolized by the process of transmuting base metals into gold. In the rare treatise The Secret Symbols of the Rosicrucians, Franz Hartmann defines the sun alchemically as, the symbol of wisdom. The center of power or heart of things. The sun is a center of energy and a storehouse of power. Each living being contains within itself a center of life, which may grow to be a sun. In the heart of the regenerated, the divine power, stimulated by the light of the logos, grows into a sun which illuminates his mind. In a note, the same author amplifies his description by adding, the terrestrial sun is the image or reflection of the invisible celestial sun, the former is in the realm of spirit what the latter is in the realm of matter, but the latter receives its power from the former. In the majority of cases, the religions of antiquity agree that the material visible sun was a reflector rather than a source of power. The sun was sometimes represented as a shield carried on the arm of the sun god, as for example, Frey, the Scandinavian solar deity. This sun reflected the light of the invisible spiritual sun, which was the true source of life, light, and truth. The physical nature of the universe is receptive, it is a realm of effects. The invisible causes of these effects belong to the spiritual world. Hence, the spiritual world is the sphere of causation, the material world is the sphere of effects, while the intellectual or soul world is the sphere of mediation. Thus Christ, the personified higher intellect and soul nature, is called the mediator who, by virtue of his position and power, says, No man cometh to the Father, but by me. What the Son is to the solar system, the Spirit is to the bodies of man, for his nature's organs and functions are as planets surrounding the central life, or Sun, and living upon its emanations. The solar power in man is divided into three parts, which are termed the threefold human spirit of man, all three of these spiritual natures are said to be radiant and transcendent, united, they form the divinity in man. The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly P. Hall, 1928 Isis Unveiled, Chapter 14 The story of this mysterious city was told to Stevens by a Spanish padre, in 1838-9. The priest swore to him that he had seen it with his own eyes, and gave Stevens the following details, which the traveler firmly believed to be true. The padre of the little village near the ruins of Santa Cruz del Quiche, had heard of the unknown city at the village of Chajal. He was then young and climbed with much labor to the naked summit of the topmost ridge of the Sierra of the Cordillera. When arrived at a height of 10 or 12,000 feet, he looked over an immense plain extending to Yucatan and the Gulf of Mexico and saw, at a great distance, a large city spread over a great space, and with turrets white and glittering in the sun. 
Tradition says that no white man has ever reached this city, that the inhabitants speak the Maya language, know that strangers have conquered their whole land, and murder any white man who attempts to enter their territory. They have no coin, no horses, cattle, mules, or other domestic animals except fowls, and the cocks they keep underground to prevent their crowing be heard. Nearly the same was given us personally about 20 years ago, by an old native priest, whom we met in Peru and with whom we happened to have business relations. He had passed all his life vainly trying to conceal his hatred toward the conquerors, brigands, he termed them, and, as he confessed, kept friends with them and the Catholic religion for the sake of his people, but he was as truly a sun worshipper in his heart as ever he was. He had traveled in his capacity of a converted native missionary, and had been at Santa Cruz, and, as he solemnly affirmed, had been also to see some of his people by a subterranean passage leading into the mysterious city. We believe his account, for a man who is about to die, will rarely stop to invent idle stories, and this one we had found corroborated in Stephen's travels. Besides, we know of two other cities utterly unknown to European travelers, not that the inhabitants particularly desire to hide themselves, for people from Buddhistic countries come occasionally to visit them. But their towns are not set on the European or Asiatic maps, and, on account of the two zealous and enterprising Christian missionaries, and perhaps for more mysterious reasons of their own, the few natives of other countries who are aware of the existence of these two cities never mention them. Nature has provided strange nooks and hiding places for her favorites, and unfortunately, it is but far away from so-called civilized countries that man is free to worship the deity in the way that his fathers did. H.P. Blavatsky Even the erudite and sober Max Muller is somehow unable to get rid of coincidences. To him they come in the shape of the most unexpected discoveries. These Mexicans, for instance, whose obscure origin, according to the laws of probability, has no connection with the Aryans of India, nevertheless, like the Hindus, represent an eclipse of the moon as the moon being devoured by a dragon. And though Professor Muller admits that an historical intercourse between the two people was suspected by Alexander von Humboldt, and he himself considers it possible, still the occurrence of such a fact he adds, need not be the result of any historical intercourse. As we have stated above, the origin of the Aborigines of America is a very vexed question for those interested in tracing out the affiliation and migrations of peoples. Notwithstanding the labor of Brasseur de Bourbourg, and his elaborate translation of the famous Pope Paul Vu, alleged to be written by Ixtuxochitl, after weighing its contents, the antiquarian remains as much in the dark as ever. We have read the Pope Paul Vu in its original translation, and the review of the same by Max Muller, and out of the former find shining a light of such brightness, that it is no wonder that the matter of fact, skeptical scientists should be blinded by it. But so far as an author can be judged by his writings, Professor Max Muller is no unfair skeptic, and, moreover, very little of importance escapes his attention. How is it then that a man of such immense and rare erudition, accustomed as he is to embrace at one evil glance the traditions, religious customs, and superstitions of a people, detecting the slightest similarity, and taking in the smallest details, fail to give any importance or perhaps even suspect what the humble author of the present volume, who has neither scientific training nor erudition, to any extent, apprehended at first view. Fallacious and unwarranted as to many may seem this remark, it appears to us that science loses more than she gains, by neglecting the ancient and even medieval esoteric literature, or rather what remains of it. 
To one who devotes himself to such study many a coincidence is transformed into a natural result of demonstrable antecedent causes. We think we can see how it is that Professor Muller confesses that now and then, one imagines one sees certain periods and landmarks, but in the next page all is chaos again. May it not be barely possible that this chaos is intensified by the fact that most of the scientists, directing the whole of their attention to history, skip that which they treat as vague, contradictory, miraculous, absurd. Notwithstanding the feeling that there was a groundwork of noble conceptions which has been covered and distorted by an aftergrowth of fantastic nonsense, Professor Muller cannot help comparing this nonsense to the tales of the Arabian Nights. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 14 When you think of the warring conditions of the world, call the beloved mighty I am presence of every life stream in existence in this world, embodied now, as well as the ascended host, to blaze into those warring conditions whatever great central sun's sacred fire loves indestructible purity, makes war impossible of existence, impossible of manifestation, impossible of being continued by anybody or anything in any government in the world. And this is vitally necessary for your protection as a nation. Applause. Thank you so much. Won't you be seated, please, and just remain so. Now, in the conference of the various nations of the world, in outer world activities, when you know something is going on that's wrong, don't hesitate to call forth the mightiest sacred fire indestructible purity in the great central sun, the physical sun, and from the ascended master's octave, to concentrate into those conditions whatever indestructible purity compels the prevention of all wrong. This must come forth and be established as an eternal part of the earth, because one day the sacred fire must be established and pass through every bit of substance which the planet earth is composed. And that substance must be charged with sacred fire indestructible purity, in order to release its blessings through the powers of nature and forces of the elements, to sustain mankind here in the future, and to fulfill the great divine plan of illumining the earth. Now, if you set this habit and begin to gain this momentum, many times perhaps when you least expect it, there will come a certain illumination around you, in the atmosphere about you sometimes, that will surprise you and make you feel that the atmosphere about you is not as dark as ordinarily it has seemed. We want this about you for many reasons. It's a very powerful healing activity within and around you, and if you want your body self-luminous, you must command it. You must say so. You must love that sacred fire's indestructible purity into yourselves, and you will find it will love you into perfection and there is no such thing as failure. When you call forth from the great central sun as well as your mighty I am presence and the ascended host, the great central sun's heart flames love of indestructible purity, and demand it fill everything in your being and world with its almighty perfection forever, and then is established around you and wherever you go, it keeps consuming, consuming, consuming the hordes of evil, and then you become the illumining presence of the mighty I am, its almighty outpouring of anything and everything it wishes to accomplish through you, wherever it moves you in the outer physical conditions. Beloved Elohim of Purity Now in the business world, there is so much filth in many offices and outer world activities that just holds people bound to slavery and disaster and destruction and lack and limitation. Whenever these things come to your attention, make this call. 
And if you want to call it forth as the great central sun's heart flame of fiery Christ blew lightning indestructible purity into those conditions and increase it until that which is wrong has been consumed, you will find many conditions improving in outer world business channels that certainly need to be purified for everybody's blessing. You cannot do anything but have greater and greater blessing by calling this forth, both around yourselves and into outer physical conditions, wherever you pass, even the structure of the earth. Call forth the great central sun's heart flames love of such indestructible purity that it is planted, so to speak, into the structure of earth, to consume everything that is of discord, and you can be a blessing to life everywhere you move. But make you feel the greater protection of your own mighty magic electronic tube of cosmic light substance, keep acknowledging it as the diamond shining substance from the ascended master's octave, because you don't provide that substance from the physical world. That comes from your beloved I am presence, or the ascended masters. Call its diamond shining substance of indestructible purity that will not let anything human come through, and I tell you, precious ones, you can have power unlimited if you will remember to do this. Now if you will accept this, it will make the accomplishment very much quicker and, I am sure, more comfortable for you, and that is to charge your own memories with the ascended masters diamond shining memory of indestructible, protecting perfection. And if you will use it, you won't follow the habit of the outer world's loss of memory. You will not become senile. You will not become incapacitated. You will not become part of the outer world's barnacles of incapacity because the outer self has simply accepted, accepted, accepted limitation and distress. Don't let the habit remain within you of every time you can't think, saying, well, I can't remember. Well, you'd better remember the source from whence you came, or you'll never be free. And you can charge yourselves with such ascended master diamond shining memory of indestructible purity, that no destructive thing can be imposed upon your consciousness by any destructive activity for any reason whatsoever. This will clear every faculty of the mind. You can do the same thing in your feeling. Command your feeling to be filled with the diamond shining, indestructible purity of the love from the great central sun that manifests perfection throughout infinite space. You can have this. It is in existence. All it asks is your call from the physical octave, because we may not intrude on your free will. If you will call of your own free will for indestructible purity in, through, and around all you contact, we can establish it in the mightiest power that you could ever require, and greater than mankind has ever known, past or present. It's yours for use, free as the air you breathe. Applause. Thank you so much precious ones. Beloved Elohim of Purity.